Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Exurga Deus Dispentur in Amicius. Et Fugiancio Deruteum Afache Eus. Let God arise, and let his enemies be scattered, and let all those who hate him flee from before his face. I've heard the arguments several times. Well, by my count, this is the third time. The first time I heard the argument, it was very well laid out. But there just seemed something to... There, there just seems something missing. And who, this is a tough one. I'd taken time out to actually watch a lot of the videos of Ann Barnhart. Um, probably a year, two years ago. And the problem was that I did not have nearly sufficient enough understanding. I hadn't had enough exposure to things like canon law, um, to, you know, decrees like some, the, the way decrees are formulated, you know, like they were in, say, the Council of Trent. And I've had a lot more time to do more studying. And by no degree could I say that I'm any act any smarter. <clears throat> I have a lot more information collated. There's a lot more, you know, there's a lot more data in the filing cabinet. But there's been some questions. And if you've been with me for any period of time, um, then you know back when I first started the podcast that there were things that I was willing to countenance and there were things that I wasn't willing to countenance. And up until two hours ago, I had a firm opinion. And it was instinct. I was relying on the census fide. And with the data represented in better, more bite-sized, um, you know, almost an oatmeal format, something easy to take in, looking back over the arguments as I recalled them and looking, and looking at the arguments as they were laid out, I'm going to make a prediction. Before too long, Francis will be declared an anti-pope. For the sake of the chaos 
avoiding the chaos, I should say, that's going to ensue, I'm kind of partially praying that doesn't happen. Um, but having had everything laid out in front of me for a third time, I don't see how that's possible. I really don't. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Arcangela, defende nos in proelio. Contra nequitiam et insidias, diaboli est do praesidium. Imperetili Deus, supplicas de precamur, tuque princeps militae calestis, satanam aliosque spiritus malignos que ad perditionem animarum, pervegantur in mundo divina virtute, in infernum letrude. Amen. Cor Jesus Sacratissima miserere nobis, Mater Dolorosa, ora pro nobis. Sancti Iosef, ora pro nobis. Beatis Carolus e Domo Austriae, ora pro nobis. Domine, ostende facem tuum, et salvi animus. Ave Maria Purissima, Immaculata Conceptio Est. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. I actually am kind of hoping that, like, I'm going to go to sleep and I'm going to wake up tomorrow and it's going to be back to normal. The problem is, is that I cannot unsee what I finally saw. <laughs> That's a really, <laughs> and it's a tough and very bitter pill to swallow. <laughs> I don't have anything against any of the people who believe any particular opinion. Um, I don't actually have anything against the set of contests, except what they do, when they do it. So, on the whole, nothing against set of contests. Occasionally, I have something against a particular set of contests because. They do, they do have this natural tendency to be a little bit obnoxious. <clears throat> but again, nothing against Sedificontists as a whole. I don't have anything against anyone who believes that Pope Benedict is still the Pope. And after this argument, I actually have less against them. Of course, I also don't have anything against those who believe that Francis is the Pope. Because one of the things that I kind of understood was that if, if you're a traditional Catholic, if you're a faithful Catholic, if, if when you look at the papacy of Francis, and it pains you because this is the papacy, and you're suffering because this is the papacy, and you're sacrificing because this is the papacy. Those are graces. Those are absolute graces. So to believe that Francis is the Pope and to carry forth in your daily Catholic walk with Francis as Pope there are graces there because it is an extraordinarily painful thing to suffer for such a pope to be the vicar of Christ. To have to deal with all of the crazy that comes from the Orthodox and comes from, you know, the other product, you know, the Protestants and, and that comes from all like it's crazy what you have to suffer to carry forward day to day with Francis as the Pope. It's the principal reason why I don't subscribe to Sedificantism, is because it would be easier for me to say that I'm Catholic and there is no Pope than for me to say that I'm Catholic and Francis is the Pope. On the balance of suffering, the Sedes actually have it the easiest. As to who has the balance of suffering greater, the ones who believe that Benedict is the Pope or the ones who believe that Francis is the Pope, that's a tough call. 
That's a tough call. Because the people who believe that Benedict is the Pope and that Francis is an anti-Pope are getting all the you're schismatic, blah, 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 blah. And all of that adds to the suffering. And for everybody, for everybody who, for every single person who believes that Benedict is still the Pope, you still have the added suffering because the world thinks that Francis is the Pope. And so there's an element of continued suffering in that. Now, there's a certain amount of suffering that comes from being said of a contest because, of course, you get derided. But... No joke, it is actually easier to believe that there is no Pope than it is to believe that either Benedict is the Pope or that Francis is the Pope. If Francis is the Pope, then you have to deal with with the most horrifying Pope at least in the last 200 years. If If Benedict is the Pope, then you have to deal with the question, if Benedict is Pope, then why isn't he Pope? You know, why isn't he doing the Pope thing? And so those two positions offer a much greater suffering than the set of a contest position. And again, like I said, I don't honestly believe that set of a contest are bad people. Most set of contests are much better Catholics than I am. All of us as traditionalists, I do have to agree with the most recent unpopular opinion from Mike at Restoring the Faith uh, Media. All traditionalists are cafeteria Catholics. In fact, even amidst the argument of being a traditional Catholic, if you're a traditional Catholic and Benedict is still your pope, then you're rejecting Francis in order to have Benedict. If you're a traditional Catholic and the See of St. Peter is empty, then there is no Pope because you'd rather there be no Pope than to deal with the crap that we have going on today. And if Francis is the Pope, well, then you have to choose to believe that the resignation was valid and that, of course, that the See of St. Peter has, is not vacant. And no matter what, you're picking and choosing what it is that you want to believe. All three of those realities can be, can have arguments that are very well put together, made in favor and against them. And so there is a degree of prudence that's needed here. I do believe that the set of a contest go too far. <clears throat> that they write off entirely too much. That they get faced with a certain amount of frustration and they throw their hands up in the air. Because the argument that I'm about to make, the set of a contest counter-argument, is that for a pope to believe such, he wasn't the pope. So there's the set of a contest argument, right there, against Pope Benedict being pope. Is Is that if he believed that he could bifurcate the papacy, that he could separate the Episcopy of Rome and the active ministry of the See of St. Peter from the papacy, the office, well, that's her- that's heretical. And having that heretical idea and acting on that heretical idea thereby makes him a heretic. And oh, hey, by the way, he very clearly is not the Pope. Even if he were the Pope, he's not the Pope. And I'm setting that aside there to make the set of a contest argument first. So this way we got that out of the way. Because I'm not approaching set of a contism for the reasons I've already stipulated earlier. Now I want to give a hat tip to John Henry Weston at LifeSite News. You're going to want to mosey on over to LifeSite News or to their YouTube channel or to their Rumble channel 
and watch this most recent interview that he did with Dr. Edmund Maza. If you're interested in such things, I will tell you there is an argument to be made why you should not go watch this video. So I'm going to go ahead and make that argument right now. The argument to be made is that it is that this video, whatever your belief, if you're generally with the greater portion of of Catholics and the greater portion of mankind, that Francis is the Pope, and you're not prepared for the spiritual confusion that's going to enter in as you continue as you consider these arguments, don't. Just don't. The devil wants you focused on anything but God. Okay? So, a video like this can distract you from God. Simultaneously, a video like this can kind of open up your understanding of what the church is, what our misunderstandings are, what the problems that we have are. Particularly since 1970, when the world just got lit on fire by all of the modernists in the aftermath of the Second Vatican Council. In part because of the Second Vatican Council, but most definitely because of the the sort of girls gone wild... Oh, Girls Gone Wild, that's not really... It's pretty accurate. The Bishops Gone Wild aspect of the church since 1970. If you want to know what I'm talking about, just direct your attention over to Germany and what's going on there with their synodal way. And you'll clearly understand exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's definitely Bishops Gone Wild. <clears throat> Oh, I have a very, very dark mind because as I was saying Bishop's Gone Wild, the first thing I was thinking was things along the lines of all of the scandals that have happened in the church and the sort of Theodore McCarrick, James Martin, um, Nighty Night Baby Tobin sort of things that have kind of sort of bubbled up over the last, you know, say 20 years. <clears throat> Like I said, if if you're not prepared to tackle the argument, if you think you might not be prepared, if this sort of argument causes you concern, then there's first off, before I get finished with this paragraph, you need to stop this podcast and sit down with your spiritual director or your confessor. Period. If you think that you might not be, if there's any doubt in your mind, if you can kind of hear that little voice going, oh, you definitely need to find out about this. This sounds like forbidden fruit. Turn this podcast off now and go talk to your confessor. Because this is not something for the curious. This is not something for the amateur passerby. This is not something for the week of faith. Disclosure's finished. If you're still here, I'm going to Pontius Pilate the salvation of your soul if this actually turns you away. Because I gave you the warning, fair warning, this is a dangerous topic. It is for the mature. Not those who think they're mature. So if you're still listening at this point, we're going to carry forward, and I'm going to assume that you're ready for this discussion. What are the three things needed for a sin to be mortal? The object has to be evil. You have to know the object is evil. And you have to will the object in spite of the fact that you've already been told that it's evil. Oh, and that will cannot be coerced, 
cannot be achieved through deception, cannot be achieved through confusion. It must be a clear, free act of the will. You have to know it's sinful, you have to choose it anyway, and you cannot be coerced, deceived, or forced. And then the object actually has to be materially evil. I think there's one more. There's one more floating out there. There's something else floating out in there. But what I've covered right now is actually the prescient, or the prescient, this is a totally wrong word, is actually the principal core of what I'm going to discuss. And then we're going to talk about some of the circumstantial things that seem to validate the argument. And this is also very important. First, you have to, in order to become Pope, you have to accept it of your free will. And there's no indication that Benedict did not accept it of his free will. None whatsoever. However, Dr. Mazza makes the argument that there could be a flaw in Pope Benedict's understanding of the papacy when it comes to his resignation. Because he made, he accepted the office of the Pope. He accepted the See of St. Peter. He accepted all of the things that being Pope are without mental reservation, without any kind of qualifications or condition. He just accepted it. However, the same cannot be said of his resignation. And this is made very, very clear. And Maza actually, and Dr. Maza talks about three particular instances that make this, that makes this very, very salient. First, had to do with his final address, the eve of his resignation. The final address, he talked about how he's still basically papal. How he's still subsumed by the papacy. Because, because the once, he, once you become pope, you're basically always pope. He even said that his ministry is going to continue, but it's going to continue in a new form. He talked about a new expression of what it means to be po- of, of what it means to be pope. And then of course they coined that ridiculous phrase the pope emeritus. Which I've used on this podcast because I don't know any better. And I say they coined the ridiculous phrase because I don't recall him actually being the one who coined the coined the phrase. I was pretty sure that they cooked up something to try and, I don't know, I could be mistaken, but as I recall, he was not the one who said he was the Pope Emeritus. I could be mistaken. But he talked about how the papacy was of two aspects. There was an active nature, a material nature of the office, and then there was a spiritual nature of the office, a passive nature of the office. And that the active nature of the office involved governing the church and and teaching and et cetera, like all all of the sort of active administrative stuff that, that Francis likes to do so much. And then he talked about the prayer and suffering being part of the passive ministry and that he was going to continue forward with the prayer and the suffering. He also makes it clear in an interview later, which is published in Benedict, I think it's Benedict, I think it's entitled Benedict the 16th, the last Testament. Where his answer is, is he could never not be Pope. Like, he seemed to understand that he could never not be Pope. Now, if this is by active choice, you know, the Holy Father playing 4D chess, and thereby managing to subvert the modernists and this, that, and the other, which I would love to believe that, I would love to believe that that was the case. But human nature, even of the most erudite people, 
still leads me to believe that that wasn't the case at all, that he made that he made what could be considered a fortuitous error, but it most certainly is still an error. He said it in his declaration. He was talking he was talking about what they refer to as the munis of uh, what is it? It's the munis petrum. which is to say the office, the ministry, both of those words um, of St. Peter. And then when he actually make, goes to make the declaration for his resignation, he switches from Munis to the ministry of the, Epi the Episcopal ministry of Rome, separating himself not from not from the title of vicar of Christ, not from the title of the Holy Father, not from the title of the Pope, but only from the episcopacy of the See of Rome. Now, Dr. Mazza mentioned something else where he's talking about how St. Peter, you know, the first one, St. Peter was the vicar of Christ. He was the vicar of Christ when he was, before the, he became Bishop of Antioch. And he was the vicar of Christ after he left Antioch and ended up in Rome. What does that mean? That means that if the Pope suddenly moves the throne, it basically means that the Pope could pick up, pick the throne up, for example, um, could pick the throne up from Rome and move it to Avignon and establish a see in Avignon, and that would actually be the seat of St. Peter. Because that's basically what happened with St. Peter. St. Peter was the vicar of Christ. He was the Pope. And he was the Pope in Jerusalem, and he was the Pope in Antioch, and he was the Pope in Rome, and then he was martyred in Rome, and basically, historically, we just kind of left, the church just sort of left it in Rome all the way through the next 2,000 years. However, the fact remains is that St. Peter was the Bishop of Antioch. while he was still the vicar of Christ. So conceivably, the Holy Father could separate the see of the 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 Holy See from the See of Rome and move it somewhere else. Probably wouldn't be particularly popular, but That's still the case. It's still the, like, that's still basically a fact. Wouldn't be particularly happy. Nobody would like it. But what are you going to do? It would be an outrage, but it would not be a novelty. Now, let me anchor a few things here because there are some peripheral externals, these material externals that everybody was outraged about, but would make a whole lot more sense in this context. Let's start with the fact that Francis refers to Benedict as the Holy Father. Francis, who we all believe is Pope, refers to Pope Benedict as the Holy Father. The Holy Father, Pope Benedict, still administers the apostolic blessing.
Pope Francis only wears the white cassock. Pope Benedict wears the white cassock, the red shoes, pretty much the whole nine yards. He just doesn't come out and celebrate Mass, so you never, never see him in all the pomp and circumstance. But all of that pomp and circumstance is the, is the exact thing that Francis rejects. And you remember that big splash happened, I think it was either last year or the year before, I think it was 2020. The yearbook, that infamous yearbook. That said Jorge Mario Bergoglio, Francis, the Bishop, the Bishop of Rome. And it left off the title Vicar of Christ. One of my favorite things about this whole thing is that when you look at the things that Pope Francis does, like the fact that he, when he signs, he doesn't sign, he doesn't, he never signs uh, Pope Francis. He signs without, like, you know how, like, um, if you look at the, if you look at the documentation that comes from, that came from Pope Benedict or from um, uh, Pope John Paul II or... Pope Paul VI, they always have the double P. Francis doesn't sign with the double P. He just signs with Francis. That's it. He just writes Francis. Pope Benedict still signs P. Benedict the Sixteenth. I'm P. Benedetto, the sixth. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Is Francis the Pope? Not if Pope Benedict's resignation is invalid. We all know it. If Pope Benedict's resignation was invalid, either by form or will, it's invalid. In order to resign in canon law, you have to resign fully. 
of your own free will. The resignation actually has to happen completely. You have to have it without any mental reservation whatsoever. You have to choose to resign. You have to re choose to resign the whole thing. Like you, like you resign and you just hand the whole thing off. That's according to canon law. It's in the 300s. I think it's like 332 section 2 or something like that. It's right around in that area. If Benedict only resigned the Episcopacy of St. Peter, the Episcopacy, or excuse me, the Episcopacy of Rome, Episcopacy, oh gracious, I suddenly can't talk. If he only, if, if he only resigned the See of Rome, which it appears to be in the declare in, in his declaratio, it appears to be that that's exactly what he did. Is is like he talked about how everything about the papacy you had all you had this and you have that and you have and he started to realize he could no longer perform the physical functions, and so because he could no longer perform the physical functions, he resigned the physical functions. And then in his final in his final address, he even says, "I'm still basically the pope. I'm still going to be doing this, that, and the other. I'm still." I'm still papal. I'm still, you know, I'm still the Holy Father. But I'm gonna leave that I'm gonna leave it to some young buck to carry on. Well, he can't do that. Now the fact that he did it, like I said before, the argument that the set of a contest can make is well, he was never the Pope anyway, because if he were the Pope, he wouldn't he would not have fallen to that sort of heresy. Except that that's not what they did to canon law. And canon law is the binding law of the church. We don't like it, particularly as traditionalists. Most of us prefer to go back to the 1917 code. We think we prefer to go back to the 1917 code. Let's be real for just a moment. You're a traditionalist. I got it. You're into the smells and bells, you go to the Latin Mass, you, you do the extra penances for Lent, you do the extra penances for Advent, maybe you even do the extra penances for the St. Michael's Lent. You don't eat meat on Friday, you abstain, you do like you like you follow, you check the blocks and you follow each step, right? Wrong. Wrong. No, you don't. There is not a Catholic alive today who could who could subsist solely on the on the code of, of canon law in 1917. Okay? Just disabuse yourself of that notion right now. It doesn't matter if you're a set of a contest. It doesn't matter if you're an old Roman. It doesn't matter if you're a Novus Ordite. It doesn't matter if you're Society of St. Pius X, Fraternity of St. Peter, the Institute of Christ of the King, the Institute of the Good Shepherd, this is um, uh, St. John Cantius. It doesn't matter. Okay? Not a one of us could hold a candle to our predecessors in the faith. Not a one. So just disabuse yourself of that right now. And even our predecessors, they don't have the acumen of Venerable, of, of Venerable Archbishop Fulton Sheen, of St. John Henry Newman, of St. Robert Bellarmine, of St. Thomas Aquinas, of St. Teresa of Avila, of St. Teresa of Calcutta. You don't have the acumen. You don't have the capacity. So disabuse yourself of that right now. Or maybe you do. I know I don't have the capacity, and so I'm not going to claim the capacity. I know what I just went through for Lent. I know, I, I know how I felt about it when it was over. I know my own heart in this particular matter. And I know I am not a code of, I am not a 1917 code of canon law Catholic. Ain't happening. Maybe someday. I'm working towards it. But I ain't there yet. And the fact is, as much as we all like to talk about it, we're not. We couldn't do it. And so we don't. And what do we hide under? Well, the current code of canon law. <laughs> and we do. Why? Because that is the current code of canon law. <laughs> uh. 
all just trying to make our way through. We're all just trying to figure this out. I am Catholic only by the grace of God. I know what kind of life I lived before I came back to the faith. There's no reason I should have come back to the faith. None whatsoever. There is no, there is no extant reason other than some intercession by somebody in my past or possibly the temporal transcendence of the prayers of you today. I have no idea. Like, legit, I have no idea. What I know is that when I look in my own past, all I have are these very thin tendrils that could possibly be pulling me back to the Catholic faith. And there's no reason why I should be a Catholic today. So the fact that I am is only by the grace of God. Only. Now, all of that having been said, I refer to myself as the mechanic because things have to have a function. The form, the fit, and the function, they all have to match. And so when it comes to some of the more technical things, we're like, well, it's this and this and this. Like the mystical sort of understanding of a lot of stuff, I, okay, some of that gets lost. I'm very anchored into the material. But when it comes to the X plus Y equals whatever, whatever the variables happen to be, or A squared plus B squared equals C squared, those things I get. Those things are easy. You can even fluff them up and be like sine theta minus cosecant theta squared, you know, equals whatever. Like you can take it, you can actually take, you can actually take a lot of that stuff pretty far. But the pieces have to fit. And so as I'm looking at it, these are the pieces that fit. Francis never calls himself the Pope. We refer to Francis as the Holy Father, the layman, etc., the the other bishops and all that other stuff. They they all refer to Francis as the Holy Father. Francis refers to Benedict as the Holy Father. Whether that's on purpose or by accident, I have no, like legit, I have no idea. But I remember, and maybe you do too, you might have actually seen the video clips. I remember the video clip of Francis standing and Benedict seated in what looked like a throne. And they're both bearing white, wearing white. But Francis is standing and he is presenting the cardinals to Pope Benedict. And that is clearly what was in the video. That is clearly what the images said. The images demonstrated that Francis was presenting the cardinals to Benedict. Why? Francis doesn't wear the red shoes. Benedict does. Why? Francis doesn't claim the title Vicar of Christ. Benedict does. Why? Benedict has clearly said on multiple occasions that there is only one Pope. But he has never said it was him. And he has never said it was Francis. He simply said there is only one Pope. There is only one Pope, and he said it repeatedly. He said it emphatically. What's going on there? The data indicate... That the Holy Father, the Vicar of Christ, is still Pope Ratzinger, Benedict XVI. It is further confirmed by the fact that all of the ministrations made by Francis seem to be anti-church. They're all sort of, you know, this is how we're going to operate the machine, this is the government, blah, blah, blah. 
this is how the church is going to govern. This is what you're going to do. Blah blah blah. Like it. I mean, all from all the way from all the way up to Traditionis Custodis, and this new one. What is it? The um, Evangelium Principii. I don't remember. I don't remember the exact title. I it's kind of kind of off the cuff here. Everything that Francis has done has been about, you know, trying to further this new evangelization, which quite clearly, um, I mean, if you're a trad, you look at the new evangelization, you go, ah, no. The guitars and the felt banners, no. The ordination of women, no. The relaxing of priestly celibacy, no. The placing of laymen in positions of leadership, uh, no. They haven't done anything to foment the continuation of the priesthood. They've only moved to cut off the feeding of the funnel into traditionalism. They don't want the fiddlebacks. They don't want the Roman chasuble. They, they only want that poncho. With or without the collar. They, 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 only, they only want the poncho. They want you at the picnic table, not the high altar. They want you singing Kumbaya, not Ave Maria. We're in, we're in the afterbirth, like we're in the middle of the novena. Of what? Of Divine Mercy Sunday? I'm sorry, I've increased the number of sacred hearts I have going on in my house, so I'm going to go with that one instead. There's there's me, by the way, being a cafeteria Catholic again. I don't know what's in the diary of Sister Faustina, and honestly, I have difficulty caring. I don't have anything against the Divine Mercy Chaplet. I really don't. If you look at the prayers of the Divine Mercy Chaplet, they come from our Eastern brothers. Eternal Father, I offer you the body, blood, soul, and divinity of your dearly of, of your uh, of your only begotten Son, in atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. There's nothing theologically wrong with, for the sake of a sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. There's nothing wrong with that. Holy God, Holy Mighty One, Holy Eternal One, have mercy on us and on the whole world. That's, there, again, nothing wrong with that. Those are, those are actually Eastern, Eastern Catholic, Eastern Orthodox prayers. So they have a pretty decent history. They were just bound together by Sister Faustina. Now some of the other stuff, pff, no idea, don't care. You could just, admittedly, like, I don't actually have anything actively against the Divine Mercy Chaplet. But if I'm going to go that route, then I might go with Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the Living God. Have mercy on me, a sinner. Which, as I recall, is the prayer of the Chokti, the Jesus Beads. One, it's a little bit quicker. Two, they pray it like a hundred times, like because the 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 chakti is not of a hundred. I don't tend to lean on that one too much. I'm actually a huge proponent of the Holy Face Chaplet, mostly because, whew, that one's a potent one. It's powerful. powerful both inside and outside. You can kind of see the movement. But the other thing that's kind of funny, this is one of the things that Dr. Mazza points out, is that if, 
if the post-conciliar church got the mass wrong, and, and if you're listening to this podcast, it's pretty high likelihood that you think that they got the mass wrong. Um, like, like you're maybe not actively denigrating it, but you're certainly not promoting it compared to, like, you know, the low mass, the high mass, or the solemn high mass, or the pontifical high mass. Like, they mo- they all most certainly don't carry a can. They can't hold a candle to any of those. You know, you may also be of the opinion, like I am, that Bunini was a mason and a traitor. And any number of other things. I mean, let's be real. Between, between the St. Gallen Mafia, the, the heresies that pop out of the mouth of the bishops, even the good ones from time to time. And not to say that they're not of goodwill. You know, they're probably in error. But you've seen him. You look and you go, oh, man, I can, oh, oh, excellency, I can't believe you said that. Oh, your grace, why are you talking like that? Oh, oh, bishop, please, why? We've all done it. Well, I've done it. You may not have. You're probably a better Catholic than I am. I mean, let's just be real. <laughs> with all of the challenges that are facing us, with all of the modernism that's just sort of floating around all, all over the world, both in and out of traditional Catholic circles, you really... Tr- I mean, if they... Come on, if they got the mass wrong, they're so far off target with the felt banners and the kumbaya and the liturgical dancing. Is it impossible to believe that maybe he got the resignation wrong? And that's assuming foolishness. Like I said, the Holy Father could have been playing 4D chess when he did it and he knew going into it, he knew exactly what he was doing. He basically threw Francis up there to be the anti-pope, to be the false pope. That would make sense. Of course. Whew. There's some challenges for the recent consecration of Russia. Yeah. I think I talked about the seagull and the crow in a previous podcast. I think probably maybe about a week, maybe two weeks ago, somewhere in there. Holy Father offers up a prayer for peace in Ukraine and then sends up two doves and they're immediately killed by a crow and a seagull. I think I talked about that. If I didn't, shoot me an email, Caleb at RadioFreeCatholic.com. Let me know. If you didn't hear that in one of the previous podcasts, because I'm pretty sure I talked about that at least once, you can shoot me an email about it and, and and I'll respond back. I'll explain. The... It certainly would explain why some of the things that go on, they just, you know, you look and you go, well, that's not working. And of course, if Francis isn't the Pope, and here's where it gets real fun. What if Francis knows he's not the Pope? He knows Benedict knows he's not the Pope. He knows Benedict is the Pope. Doesn't that give Francis a free reign to just do whatever it is that he wants? Now, mind you, We're going to pause right here. I'm going to say this again. One, this doesn't mean it's true. The data point to Benedict being the Pope. All this other stuff I've said over the last, like, five minutes, most of that stuff is conjecture when it comes to, like, because I don't know what the ramifications of such a thing are. It certainly would illustrate some of the times that we're living in. It also would still indicate that Pope Benedict is going to be the one who's assassinated if that if the conditions for that have actually come to pass. It also stands to reason that he may still be the one to flee Rome. That he might be the one to flee Rome, and it's certainly not going to be Francis. Francis. Give me any number of things. Like, when it comes to all of the other stuff as it has to do with Catholic prophecy, I don't even want to dive into that because my head is already spinning at the fact that when I looked at the data this time around, it was irrefutable. And to those who sent me the data before, because you have, I just wasn't there yet. 
What does it mean for me? Well, in my common action, nothing. When I pray for the intentions of the Holy Father, I don't pray for the intentions of a particular pope because, well, I mean, there's been, there's been enough sketchiness where I just don't do it. I just do the generic intentions of the Holy Father. By the way, you can look those up online. They never change. Out of an abundance of caution, aside from the fact that I was using both of their names entirely too much to be able to put titles in front of both of them every single time, typically... I'm going to still give them the titles that we, as we understand them. But intellectually, I'm pretty sure that it's, that it's, it's Pope Ratzinger and it's just Francis. Do I know for sure? No. Do I get to make the juridical decision? No. Am I being schismatic because because of this? No. It mostly has to do with the fact that I don't know. It's worth looking into. It'd be kind of nice to clear up. Maybe we could sweep away those seven, those seven encyclicals that seem to be causing us so many problems. That'd be kind of nice. Yeah, might be a good idea to get rid of Laudato Si. Might be a good idea to get rid of Carita Amazonia. It might be a good idea to get rid of Fratelli Tutti. It might be a good idea to get rid of Amoris Laetitia. The top four, just, you know, just right off the top of my head. Those guys probably could stand to go. It would be nice if that invalidates Traditionis Custodis and it reinstates fully Sumorum Pontificum. It would be nice. Will it? Dear family, I don't know. I don't know what that's going to mean. I know a lot of people will be very happy to throw, will be very, very happy to throw Traditionis Custodis and its, and its accompanying Responsia Ad Dubia that nobody believes was even doobied. <clears throat> I mean, let's be real. Nobody actually thinks there was a dubia. Come on. Oh, these are the question, common questions. Oh, well, it's really weird that, you know, the response gave you perfect clearance to be as draconian as you absolutely wanted. And then you had people like, Car uh, what's his name? Cardinal Blaise Supich just carry it out, out to the full and then some. Making even what they do in Rome seem kind of tame. It'd be nice to sweep all of that aside. But until then, hey, guess what? Dear family, those are just active in the present reality. Oh, you don't have to listen to it. Well, and I won't. I won't because I'm fairly certain. Am I absolutely certain? Of course not. I won't be absolutely certain until somebody, until somebody up high says, hey, we probably need to do an investigation, and they actually do the investigation, and then the church makes a formal decision. Because those are still things that have to happen. It has to be examined. It has, like, it has to be looked over. It has to be examined, and the church has to make a formal decision. Until then, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I know of the outcome, but I'm not allowed to say. I'm not allowed to make the formal pro proclamation because what am I? I'm a mechanic. I'm not a priest. I'm not a bishop, and I'm certainly not the pope. Warning, by the way, just to kind of put this out there into the cosmos, so y'all know. There are two offices that you never want Caleb the Mechanic in. Two. One is the Presidency of the United States. Because I know exactly how to pull those levers in just such a way to cleanse out this garbage, and it's going to be bloody. And two is the office of the Pope. Because I know exactly how to pull those levers, and I can assure you that the cleansing will be bloody.
So just put that out of your mind. If there's one thing I'm good at, it's bloody. <laughs> Anyway, I spent more time on the topic than I think they spent on it because they spent more time introducing it. Maybe. <clears throat> if you made it this far and you want to know more, go to the LifeSite News video. And then jump on over to one of those site, one of those YouTube channels like and and Barnhart. Or, you know, go to Trad Cat Night. He talks about, I think he actually still has the videos up on his YouTube channel about the arguments. So I'm pretty sure you can actually go, so I'm pretty sure you can actually check them out there. Eric is really, really good about making sure that he tries to keep everything in, in, uh, what's it, in archive. So this way you can always kind of go back to it. Um, those would be a couple of the ways. Of course, there are some other ways to do it. The, is there a lot of debate in the whole thing? Yes, Absolutely. Would I like would I like an exorcist like Father Ripperger to talk on the subject subject? Yes. Because even if the demons are full of crap, it's the way demons are full of crap that really makes it easier to digest. Because they're full of crap doesn't mean that they gotta fill you with full of crap. <laughs> but It'd be interesting to, it would be interesting to hear the topic because that may be actually part of the reason why they were given so much extra power in these, in these most recent years. Seriously, that may be the reason why. At least I have something to do with it. Who knows? Like, seriously, I don't know. I look at it, this whole topic, and I go, this is way, way bigger. This is way too big for one little mechanic. But it's a topic I'm interested in. It's one worth looking into. I keep, I've kept revisiting it from time to time because I'm looking at it as, as my perspective has shifted. It was necessary, like it was necessary to kind of retouching back, retouch back at it. And I got to be honest, and let's be, and I'm going to be very clear right now. I very well may change my mind in the future because I'm not, like I said, the data indicate. But there's a lot about this whole situation I don't know. Because this time around, the arguments were made very, very clear. This time around, it, it seemed much more digestible. And in fact, actually, I need to actually point some credit towards John Coleman over at the Apocatastasis Institute because my discussions with him kind of helped me parse this out because the discussions with him, and I'm going to actually be posting them up this weekend, um, I will probably actually post... Tomorrow, yeah, actually, I think I'm going to do the next two posts will be the interviews, the, the interviews and the discussions that I had with him. The first one is kind of moot because we were sort of feeling each other out, but you can, but you can find his videos and you can find our conversations on BitChute. But I'm going to be posting our two most recent ones. It'll be tomorrow's podcast and then the one for the, for the next day. So you can hear the discussion and you can actually follow me on and you can see exactly what it was that we were talking about and how I might actually land based on that discussion in a position where I can look at this differently from the way I used to. You will also see that there's a little bit of that that even flavored my discussion about the church as a chrysalis yesterday. I hope that you stay tuned for those. Those episodes will be a little bit shorter because I think we talked for 35 or 40 minutes. We did not talk for a full hour. Um, and I do hope to actually sit down and talk with him again because this is actually really, really interesting stuff. 
<laughs> of course, simultaneously, it also might be some of the driest information that you ever get because, well, I mean, it's not like we're talking about bombs in Ukraine. So, <laughs> anyway, stay tuned for those. Those will be out very soon. If you have some challenges, understand, one of the things that, I, that I've been trying to make as clear as possible is just because it sounds like I'm firm on a topic does not mean I can't be argued off of it. I love debate. I love debate. Now, it doesn't mean that I won't look through the arguments that you make or the topic that you propose or whatever and completely dissect it, vivisect it, and peel it apart and decide maybe not. But I do like the challenge because it helps me understand what I believe. And in fact, when you're coming along with me in these podcasts, I hope you understand that each one of these episodes is actually trying to parse out what I believe. And the only times where I'm really laying, laying the stuff out is when we're in, like, when we're in my domain. So we're talking about aerospace engineering or the, the hard sciences generally all together, or when I'm talking about warfare. Because those are my expertises. When it comes to theological and the, the, uh, theology and ecclesiology, ooh, I'm exploring just as much as you are. So I hope you're not ever actually taking anything I say on those, on those particular topics as gospel. If they fit and they work, by all means, use them. If they don't, if I'm stepping wrong, all of the faults are mine. It's not the church. It's not the church. It's not God. It's not our Lord. It's not our lady who's mistaken. It is Caleb the freaking mechanic who's dumb. All right, I think that's enough caveats. <laughs> Stay tuned for it. <laughs> and pray. Pray that some clarity comes to this topic because this is a contentious topic. Pray, pray that maybe we get a little bit of clarity on it before God draws back the curtain because I really hate to, honestly, I hate to still be like looking like a, looking like a dummy when the curtain draws back and it's like, okay, all y'all were messed up. This is what was really going on. I kind of would like to avoid that. I'd like to be like, well, at least I was close. <laughs> probably not I mean it's certainly not going to help well it's definitely not going to help my salvation but it make me feel good <laughs> anyway pray for the church pray for the nation because we still have a whole lot of craziness going out and going on out there talk about bombs in Ukraine that's still a thing pray for the nation we're still up for a huge economic something ain't going to be good pray for the nation pray for the church Pray for all of us in social media, particularly those of us who claim to be Catholic, that we continue to be Catholic. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. <laughs>